Welcome to another episode of Reformation Roundtable. My name is Joe Stout, and it is my pleasure to bring to you the recording of a fellowship night that took place between several families that are seeking to plant a Reformed church here in Lewis County, Washington. We want to see a biblically devoted Reformed church start, and we're seeking oversight from Trinity Church in Kirkland, Washington. Trinity Church is pastored by Dave Hatcher and is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches. Now, we would like to have that church take over and oversee our church plant, fill the pulpit, give us guidance, and give us some authority structure so that we can eventually call our own pastor and have weekly Lord's Day worship services here in the Centralia Chehalis area. Our one big goal, our big E on the I chart, is to have weekly Lord's Day worship uh, to be self-sufficient, meaning that we are not simply relying on other churches to fill the pulpit, and have our own pastor, our own session of elders, and a robust community of believers who are devoted to Christ and to his kingdom here on earth. That's what we would like to see happen, and that's why we've asked Dave Hatcher, of Trinity Church uh, in the CREC to oversee this. Now, the CREC is a, is a wonderful organization, and some of their guidance documents that they have for us is the Reformed Evangelical Confession. There are several confessions, Westminster, the London Baptist Confession. We spent a couple of weeks discussing the, the Reformed Evangelical Confession and had some great discussion from that. We are now moving into the Book of Memorials. The CREC put out a book of memorials that is seven different topics, ranging from ministerial training to Christian education. And our goal has been to make it through one or two of these memorials each night. Now, I had prepared for us to do three memorials on this particular fellowship night, and we only got to two. And that's totally fine because there was some great discussion on those two memorials that we talked about. We talked specifically about ministerial training as well as confessional um, changes or changes to a confession. How is that supposed to be done? Now, these memorials are not the basis for Reformed theology. The memorials simply um, speak to certain, call them cultural issues, those cultural issues that may not be addressed by a confession, whether it be a Westminster confession or a London Baptist confession, but we're seeking like-mindedness. And so some of the topics aren't even particularly reformed topics, but they're topics that are very important. They're realms of theology that we want to strive for like-mindedness in. And so they're not necessarily lines in the sand as though if you don't if you don't um, embrace fully all of these memorials you aren't going to be a welcome member or a welcome leader within the CREC they're more uh, signposts to say this is the direction that we're headed we'd like other like-minded people to move in this direction with us and we'd really like people to not actively teach against these topics uh, because we're seeking for like-mindedness. We're seeking for unity in all things. And so that's where these memorials are coming from. We are going to continue to meet and talk about them. I will do my best to post those discussions uh, to the Reformation Roundtable podcast here. And if you'd like to join us or be a part of what we're doing, please go to lewiscounty.church.com 
Uh, check out what we've talked about so far. Fill out the contact form. Send it over to me. We would love to have you be a part of this. And we want people who are crazy about Jesus and crazy about seeing his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, just as he taught us to pray. So with that, let's jump into the discussion, the fellowship night, and I hope you enjoy it. Great. Okay, everybody's got a piece of paper then, right? Good deal. Okay, so we've got, we've got goodies afterwards. So all of these kids that are here right now, you guys are all here on purpose. I'm just talking to the kids. Each one of you kids is is vital to the health and wellness of any church setting. Now this is just a Bible study. This is a church. It's not yet. We're, we would like to start a church. But one of the things that makes a church a church is all of God's people coming together. And that cannot mean that kids are excluded. It must mean that kids are apart. And so you guys have an opportunity, all you kids have an opportunity to listen quietly. And if there's questions for the kids, you can raise your hand and share, share what you think. And then afterwards, we're going to have goodies as a, uh, as a reward for your guys' good listening, okay? Um, so what we're going to, uh, just for uh, those of you guys who are new, this is our first time down here. And uh, in the providence of God... He um, flooded our road, so I don't know if we would have walked in our house. So I'm kind of glad he flooded the road. Uh, but um, thank you guys all for coming. We are, um, we've been meeting now for a little over a year with the express intent of starting a, kind of an unapologetically reformed, but also totally biblically devoted church. Um, we haven't had a single worship service yet because we don't have the structure in place yet for true Lord's Day worship to take place. So what we're doing right here, what, what I believe we're doing right here is having a Bible study and fellowshipping. But what we would love to have happen is to eventually have um, leadership of another church oversee what we're doing, um, give us not only, um, not only an authority structure, but also help us to fill the pulpit so that I'm not standing up here when we actually do come together to worship. Um, we would like to see that happen, and we'd like to see that happen definitely this year and at the sooner part of this year and not the later part of this year. So it's our first meeting, of course, in 2021. We're excited, uh, and it's what makes it exciting is all the people that we see here. So thank you guys all for coming. We're going to start with a little bit of singing. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and open us up, open us up in prayer. Uh, and then we're going to sing two songs. Then we're going to have a little discussion. And what our discussion is going to be on is on something um, from the denomination known as the CREC, which stands for Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches. Uh, and it's something that they call their Book of Memorials. Uh, and this is a link that I, se I sent out to everybody. Actually, Ron gave me this copy. Thank you, Ron. Uh, I have a part of this in your guys' notes. I don't have the whole thing in your notes, but I have part of it. And, what, and we're going to have a discussion on the book memorial, so I'll save my introductory remarks for when, that, uh, when we get to that. Uh, so we'll sing two songs. We'll discuss together. This is the discussion. I, I don't have a sermon or something prepared. Um, and then we'll sing two more songs. We'll close with the doxology. Then we'll leave together. Does that sound good? Okay, cool. Well, I'll open this up in prayer, and then we'll sing Gracious God in heaven, we are your people, we are the sheep of your pasture, and it is you who made us, and we are yours. We come to you, Lord, because you have called us and you draw us near, and we pray, Father, that um, we're here, more than two have been gathered in your name, 
We ask that you'd be here with us. We know that you will. We believe your promises. And we pray, Father, for your blessing on this work. Uh, for anyone who is here who wants to be a part of a Reformed Church plant here in Lewis County, we pray that you would bless this work. Um, and for those who maybe um, aren't quite ready to be a part of this but want to just pray with us uh, and worship with us and be a part of what we're, of what we're doing, I pray, Father, that they would feel uh, entirely um, at peace and, and um, welcome here. Thank you, Lord, that you're with us. And we ask that you would bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so we're going to start off with uh, Come Now, Almighty King. Come now, Almighty King, help us our name to sing, help us to praise, Father all-glorious, or all-victorious, come and reign over us, ancient of days. Come now incarnate word, heard on thy mighty sword, our prayer attend. Come and thy people bless and give thy word success. Spirit of holiness on us descend. Come holy comforter. Thy sacred witness bear in this glad hour. Thou who almighty art, rule now in every heart, and ne'er from us depart, spirit of power. To thee, great one in three, eternal praises be. Evermore, thy sovereign majesty, may we in glory see, and to eternity love and adore. All God's people said, Amen. 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 All right, great. We're going to turn the page uh, to the back side of that one. We actually, the last time we got together, um, we sang this song. It's a new one, um, but part of Part of my passion, and I'd like to see the passion of uh, whatever church gets started here, is a devotion to what um, what we're commanded to do in, in the New Testament, which is to um, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And most Christians are familiar with that passage, um, but they don't necessarily know exactly what it means to sing a psalm, uh, because this book of psalms is 150 psalms, and for most of us, um, we get exposed to just the, the slightest sliver of the Psalms. And so um, this is Psalm 128, and it's a metrical psalm, meaning that it's it's taken the verse, uh, the actual Psalm 128, and put it to meter, so it's actually will rhyme. So you can kind of follow along uh, as you look at the small letters, the small subscript or the small subscript numbers as we sing along. Now since it's kind of a new song, um, I'm gonna go uh, anybody who wants to sing along can sing. I'll sing the first verse, we can all sing the first verse, then we'll start again at the beginning again, and then we'll sing, we'll sing both um, uh, line one uh, and line two together. So we'll end up doing it three, we'll end up doing the first line there twice. So. All right, now this is, Psalm 128 is a great promise because it all, it, it, it talks about bless the man, but it's, uh, some translations say blessed is, blessed is everyone 
who fears Jehovah. Um, and so, so think about that in mind. What is the promise of this psalm? And we get to sing it um, and uh, ask God to fulfill it. Bless the man that fears Jehovah and that walketh in his ways. Thou shalt eat of thy hands labor and be prospered all thy days. Like a vine with fruit abounding in thy house, thy wife is found. In thy garden plants thy children, compassing thy table round. In thy garden plants thy children, compassing thy table round. That was good. I sang it a little bit fast if you're just learning that. That's the speed that's supposed to go. We'll go a little bit slower, but let's start with verse 1 again. Bless the man that fears Jehovah, and that walketh in his ways. Thou shalt eat of thy hands labor, and be prospered all thy days. Like a vine with fruit abounding, in thy house thy wife is found. And like holy plants, thy children compassing our table round. And like holy plants, thy children compassing our table round. Now that was the first three verses of Psalm 128. We're going to do the last three verses. Lo, on him that fears Jehovah shall his blessedness attend. For Jehovah out of Zion shall to thee his blessing send. Thou shalt see Jerusalem prosper all thy days till I shall cease. Thou shalt see thy children's children unto Israel be peace. Thou shalt see thy children's children unto Israel be peace. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, good singing, guys. That was awesome. All right, so the next uh, song we'll save for after our discussion. All right. So like I said uh, at the opening of this, we're, gonna, we're here to talk about, well, the, the big idea is we want to start a Reformed church here in Lewis County. Um, one of the logistical issues you run into right away is, well, where are we all at on the theological spectrum? And so um, one of the helpful things that we got to do last December, uh, I guess it was actually last November um, in, of 2020, is we got to join a Zoom call with Dave Hatcher, um, who is the, uh, uh, the pastor of Trinity Church up in Kirkland. And one of the things that he recommended we do is go through the CREC, the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, their book of memorials. And if you're on the email list, um, or if you want to be, I can get you on, uh, there's a link to the Book of Memorials. It looks something like this. And there is actually, uh, let's see, there's seven, six? Yeah, there's seven memorials total right now. Uh, and the, the, memori the memorials are on seven different topics. We're going to be talking about at least two today, possibly three. But the first two are on ministerial training and confessional revision. And that might sound a little bit boring, but it actually is super, super spicy. I love it. Um, but not nearly as spicy as when we get to Christian education and creation. That'll, that'll get really good. Um, so we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about this. Uh, in your introduction, you'll see here that the memorials, that they state the position of the CREC on issues on which a confessional statement has not been made. And I believe what that means is that 
The confessions that we look at could be like the Westminster Confession of Faith or the London Baptist Confession of Faith. Those were written hundreds of years ago. And some of the things that they don't address are things that are pertinent to um, life in 2020, 2021. Um, and so, um, for example, we're going to talk about ministerial training. How we do ministerial training now is significantly different than the way they did it then, and so the confessions don't really speak to it. So a memorial is very, very important, but it, you won't find these in the, in the uh, historic confessions, and so they've been added in as a way of clarifying or keeping us all like-minded. Um, and so uh, the way, what, one of the things that the CREC states is that these seven memorials, they're really important. Um, and they're important enough that if a church, let's just say you were a CREC church, and you decided, okay, um, my, uh, you know, my position on Christian education has completely changed. I, I no longer believe the way I, you know, everybody, not, not just individuals, but like the whole church uh, decided that they, they were all for um, uh, Christian education in a significantly different way than the memorial lays out. Then it would be up to the CREC church to let that be known to their presbytery, which is just the, the local ruling body. And the reason is, is because we want to be above board in all of these things. That's not really why we're here today. We're here to, to look through these things and see, hey, are we all on board with this? Are we all on board with this topic or that topic or, or this other topic? And so we're going to talk about two today, and maybe even we'll get into uh, the Christian education. I hope we can. Um, um, and so we're going to go ahead and start with um, Memorial A, which is ministerial training. But before we do, this is, uh, does anybody have any thoughts or comments that they'd like to, um, to, to pop in here on just before we actually get into the nitty gritty of ministerial training, anything they'd like to add in terms of what we're about to do in our discussion? Wow. All right, cool. All right, so ministerial training, we're actually, we're, uh, oh yeah, go ahead. Dad. I was just going to say, there are a lot of kids here, and I, it's easy for parents to be um, too conscientious about their kids and their noise. I would say just relax, and you know, yeah. we got a lot of kids, and it's great if a few of them are making some noises, and we will, it's, it's fine, so don't, you know, don't yeah. get upset about that, I guess. <laughs> Thank you, that, that, that's really good. I, if I could just stack on what he's saying. When we hear the sound of those little kids making noises, yeah. that's like a beautiful thing. Choice. It's like yeah, it's God's children, so so we love it. Thank you. So when we get into the part about raising children, we'll really clamp down. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. That, then it's uh, then it's not cute anymore. <laughs> okay. So a couple of things to think about when we when we go through this uh, Memorial A on ministerial training. Uh, first of all, put in your mind. Um, if, you go, if you go to a church and that church has a pastor, what qualifications make him a pastor? So we've got the New Testament qualifications. He's got to be the husband of one wife. He's got to have children that believe. You know, those, those, are, biblical, those are biblical requirements. But what is it um, that makes him different than somebody just off the street that also fulfills all of those requirements? Um, so think about that. How is ministerial training usually conducted? Um, and as we think about that, we'll read through this. And, uh, and for those of you kids who might wonder what I'm talking about, ministerial training is just like you would have to go to school to become a nurse or a doctor, or you'd have to go to a school to become a policeman or a fireman. You would have to go to some type of, you have to have some type of training to become a pastor. That's what ministerial training is. 
So the memorial says, and it's short, so we can read it together. It says, we believe the ministerial training is best conducted under the oversight of a local session. Now, I've, in my notes, I've got that underlined, the oversight of a local session. And that's significantly different, I think. You guys can, can weigh in with your breadth of experience as well. That's significantly different than the way most churches do it. Most churches send their, their young men off to a, off to a, um, off to a, uh, a seminary, and then they get them back, and they hope they've been taught something. So this is saying that it's best conducted under the oversight of a local mission and should include an intense apprenticeship in a local body to test and develop the gifts, skills, knowledge, and spiritual qualifications of the candidate. So we've got two things, oversight of a local session and apprenticeship. Does anybody here think they know what apprenticeship means? Ava? An assistant. Be like an assistant. That's great. Anybody else want to? Yeah, Charles. If you're apprenticed, you are like hired, but you're not um, like a full-time worker because you're learning how to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're actually you're actually getting the training on the job. Excellent. That's good. Anybody else have anything to add to the apprenticeship? So this is this is calling for intense apprenticeship, meaning that you're not just off at a seminary learning Greek and Hebrew. Um, you're also hopefully learning Greek and Hebrew, and you are, you are sitting in with a session of elders. You are following around a pastor. You are seeing how he does what he does. Um, and, and you're doing that so that they, the local session, can see your gifts, your skills, your knowledge, and your spiritual qualifications. Okay, now this is the other side of the coin. It says, at the same time, it's very difficult for many local congregations with limited resources, right there, no money, to provide a candidate, that would be somebody who wants to be a pastor, with a form of theological training that upholds high academic standards and equips the candidates in original languages and so forth. So seminaries can do a really good job of training you in uh, original languages, Greek or Hebrew, um, and they can also do a really good job of holding you to a very high academic standard, something that a local church body would struggle to do. So, so they think, or the memorial is saying on one hand, we think it needs to be overseen by the church, but on the other hand, we understand that it's really difficult to do that exclusively. So they say we see a place for churches to send men to seminaries while still overseeing and facilitating their training in other ways. In an ideal scenario, seminaries would function as educational extensions of the church, and seminary learning would be integrated into a comprehensive program of ministerial or pastor pastoral apprenticeship. So in, they're saying they've got an equation. They're saying that seminaries plus the local church oversight could be the ideal way of navigating this right now when most churches can't necessarily afford to also run a seminary as a part of their church. That's it. That's the whole memorial. That's everything. I don't think there's anything on the next page. Yeah, because the next one starts the next memorial. That's the whole thing. And so on one hand, you could say, well, sure, I'm, I'm good with that, or you could maybe disagree with it. But that's kind of what we have to align ourselves around for the CREC position on ministerial training. Now, what opinions do we have? What thoughts do we have? This is, this is new to me. This is not something that outside of reading this memorial, I've done, I've done a lot of serious thinking on. Um, but I'd love to hear what you guys think. seminaries in particular that line up with uh, this whole thing. I mean, 
Yeah, so the question is, are there seminaries that line up with this particular um, memorial? And Dave, Dave Hatcher would, of course, be a much better person to answer that question. I would say that, yes, there's definitely Greyfriars, which is in Moscow, Idaho. And that, that is a seminary, and it's, a free, it's actually a free seminary. It doesn't cost you anything to go to it. Um, uh, but, of course, you have to, most, most men that, that go do it are, are supporting themselves or supporting the family. So Greyfriars is one place for sure. But I, I'm, I don't think that they are um, pretentious about where you've gone to seminary within reason, as long as you've gotten lots of boots on the ground experience. That, that, would, be, that would be, I think, how they would uh, look at that. That's a great question. Yeah, Les. Um, if, you have a, if you have a man who meets the criteria of Timothy and Titus um, and has demonstrated all of those things over time, could you put someone in position who would do the academic portion concurrent with performing, let's say, as a pastor or an assistant pastor? Would that be appropriate? Right. So it's on the so not only is it on the job training, but they're actually in the position of leadership yes. while they're being trained. Yeah, with an understanding that you are you're gonna accomplish, you know, so much yeah. over a certain period of time. Yeah. And then meet this final goal. Right. That's a great. That's a great question. Um, you know, being being not only reformed but also being Americans, we we're all about decentralized uh, levels of authority, and so. But that. But there's also a dark side to that, and that's where every man is his own autonomous being. And so, you know, we don't want to go that far. We want every man to be accountable to somebody above him. You know, we're all accountable, of course, to God. But the reason why we go to a local church and submit to the elders is because we don't want to be a wash on our own. We don't want to just think of our own things. So with that in mind, if that pastor in training was being was kind of directly under the authority of maybe a, a another local church, perhaps that could be a, a useful maybe I'm not, I'm not sure. Like an apprentice. Yeah, like an apprentice exactly. Right. You get the you get the uh, the B squad church. <laughs> You get the password training. Yeah, BJ. You know, as I read this, my interpretation of the language is that it's not an ironclad exactly yes. this way for every, but there's an idealism of a combination of apprenticeship, maybe weighted heavier towards apprenticeship right. and, and hands-on, you know, with high academic yeah. So I don't see this as, as too rigid. I agree. I don't, I don't think it's written to be rigid. Yeah. And if you think this one isn't rigid, wait till you read the next one. It's even less rigid. <laughs> I, I really love this one just because I've been in a lot of different denominations, and I went to Full Art Seminary. So, and I met a lot of people at seminary that just graduated from a Christian school, so they didn't know what else to do, so they went to <laughs> seminary. Then they graduated from seminary, and they thought, well, what do I do? I guess I'll go look for a church to pastor. And I think that's a horrible way to, you know, and I think this idea of training someone up in the church and, and so they're coming from a church body that they already understand and know and, and, and understand the, you know, the, the ministry needs or whatever. And, and they're being sent to maybe off to a seminary or maybe online with a seminary or whatever. Right. But the training is in the context of what they're being called to. Right. And they're actually called before they're sent off to be educated as opposed to being educated and all this stuff and then later called. Right. I just think it seems like that's a backward thing. And I've seen the other end where 
people are just called out of their church body and they're just put into position of leadership without any training right. just because they've got the call or whatever. I, don't, I think that's a, another problem. Mm -hmm. So this combination of a calling and apprenticeship and training, you know, on, on site and then looking into what education do we do they need, you know, right. and I, I really love that combination. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Dean. Would this apprentice be someone who is working part or full time while they're studying and being in training? Yeah, um, from what I've seen, the way they do it over in Moscow with Greyfriars, yes, they are, they've got a lot on their plate. They're, they're, they've got this a huge a huge load of academics that they're getting from Greyfriars. Mm -hmm. They're working to support their families. Usually, they're not just straight out of college doing this. And then, of course, they've got their um, they've got all of this apprenticeship that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. At that at the same time, I've heard from guys that are in training over there how wildly unique it is to be able to go to an elders meeting or to to mm -hmm. to, to sit in on. Um, on an elder uh, visit, you know, where elders go to people's houses and visit with them and just, just see how they're doing. Not, not, not in a church discipline me mentality, but just in taking care of the body. And so, so yeah, a lot on their plate, but... Uh, One of the reasons I ask, uh, my name is Dean, I'm that guy that everybody talks about after me. There's a lot of those guys oh. in this room. <laughs> in my 63 years, I developed a sensitivity to men who raise a Christian home, Christian high school, Christian college, go to seminary, become an assistant pastor, then become a full-time pastor, preaching from the pulpit like me, teach, telling me how to live in the world. Mm. Paul didn't. Paul lived in the world. Mm -hmm. The disciples lived in the world. They were sons of thunder. They were men. Paul proved his faith while being in the church and working full time as a tent maker. He was in the culture, living out his faith, not sitting up in some office somewhere, self-righteously looking down at me, trying to tell me how to live in the world when he hasn't a clue. Ooh, I'm glad I got that out. Feel better? I'm going to that quiet place now. Yeah. Okay. Did you warn them about me? <laughs> no, Dean, I appreciate that. That's that's really good. You know, the last thing the last thing you want is, a, you know, pastor, somebody tasked with uh, taking care of the rest of us who are living in the real world, who is completely disconnected from the world God has made. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the um, world. Yeah. So, amen to that. Um, yeah, Brian, and then we'll go to Andrew. Paul spoke Greek and Hebrew. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. Andrew, a good point, Brian. Yeah, so I think it's kind of evident in this that clearly the preaching pastor needs to have some of these elements. How much does this extend into other administrative aspects of the leadership? Right. What are the expectations of people who are not necessarily preaching pastors, but are acting as elders, acting as deacons. Yeah. And typically I've seen in church structures that there are lessened expectations for formal training for those in yep. a deaconship type role yep. and as you extend on further. But I'm just curious right. what other churches that adhere to the CREC have as far as expectations for those who are in what I would consider the highest levels of church right. oversight. Yeah. 
And if, if you remember, Dave yeah. talked about that, uh, the two office, three office, and four office. And I was kind of segueing into that, right? asking a little yeah. bit in regard to that. So. If, if I can remember exactly the way he said it, that he, he was a proponent of the two office view, which is that there are elders and that there are deacons. That's, that's it. Now, um, in his particular position, he's actually paid to be the pastor. So he's, he's a vocational pastor, um, if that's the right word. He's being paid to do it, whereas the other elders are, are not being paid to do that. But he doesn't hold a specific you know, tiebreaker vote or something like that where, well, you guys can have your discussion, but it's really all up to what the pastor thinks. Um, then there's the three office view, which I believe is pastors or uh, elders, deacons, and then the ministering elder. And that's where the ministering elder is kind of like he's the big dog amongst everybody else. And then there's the four office view. And then I, I'm, I think there's ruling elders, teaching elders, ministerial elders, and then deacons. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't, I don't, I've never actually been at a church that does anything but the, pretty much the two office view. So I, I'm, I'm most familiar with the two office view. I think, it, I think biblically it makes the most sense if you're going to have people regularly teaching um, and they're not the teaching pastor or the, you know, the, the, the pastor that's being paid to do this, then um, that person should probably have some training. If you are simply a ruling elder, meaning that you're there because you fulfill all those requirements of Timothy and Titus, then I don't necessarily think you have to have any seminary degree or even seminary experience, although as, as men seeking these positions, we should always be looking to expand our view and um, understanding of God, majesty of God. So, good good question. I I think as far as Dave would be concerned, since he'd be the, we wouldn't be being overseen by the CRC. We'd be being seen by overseen by Dave Hatcher's church, and there are two office views. So, I think that um, he would not have a problem with elders not having ministerial training. He schedules a beer in a couple of weeks. Right? Yes, set on the seventeenth. He'll he'll be in person. That's the plan. It was the plan last time too, and he got sick, and so he just met us via Zoom. Ava, did you have something you wanted to add? Are Grey Friars just friars that, like, beg? You know, actually, that the Grey Friars is really just a, a term that, that's just a title that they use. They're not actually friars in, like, the, I don't know, I'll be honest, I don't even quite know what a friar is. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I'm sure that there's a very interesting story as to why they chose that. Yeah. Great question. I don't know the answer. Dave also said that the, there's multiple views within the domination of yes. the, the yeah, three exa offices. Like exactly. Said, within the CREC, they, yeah. they hold all three of them. And yeah. he said, and joyfully fight over them all. <laughs> yeah. Any, any other thoughts on the ministerial, ministerial training? There was anything else on that I was going to say. Um, okay, so on the confessional revision, this is Memorial B on the, on the back page, it says, um, our process of confessional revision uh, is established so that the differences between our churches may be resolved over time by a careful striving for like-mindedness. The process is established to work in a slow and deliberate fashion so that we will be less susceptible to various fads and winds of doctrine. Does anybody have a Bible and they'd like to uh, turn to Ephesians 4.14 and read it? I have that. Jim. Dad, you got it? Okay, great. Uh, while Thad's looking that up, I, if I was putting this together, I would have added something that they said in the introduction into this part. And I didn't read it, um, but it's the second paragraph under the introduction. It says, the process for adopting a memorial must involve a careful striving for like-mindedness. This deliberate process will help us guard against various fads and winds of doctrine. A memorial must be approved as a draft at a stated council 
and adopted at a subsequent stated council. So they didn't add that. I'm not sure why they didn't actually add that to this, that particular part of the memorial. But you read this, and if you just read the memorial, you'd think that they weren't actually saying anything. But they actually do have a process. You have to have a, a stated council. You have to come up with a draft. Everybody's got to discuss it. And then um, it, it will be adopted, or it won't be adopted, but not until the next council meeting. So you can't bring it up at a, at a local council. And these are not, these are council, these are, these council meetings don't happen that often. They're not like weekly things. They might even be yearly things. But it has to be uh, adopted, or it has to be um, um, presented as a draft at one, and everybody thinks about it, prays about it, uh, seeks God's favor on it, and then if it is going to be adopted, it's adopted as a sub subsequent uh, council. So, Dad, you want to read that for us? Yeah, this is Ephesians 4.14. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people, and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, an, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Good. Thank you, Ted. So I don't know if you guys have noticed a tendency within the evangelical world um, that whenever some new political thing is hot on the horizon, um, all of these bodies of Christians come out with their statements and their confessions and their memorials on whatever that political flavor of the month is. This is specifically saying we're going to attempt not to ever do that. So if this, if this month we're all outraged about problem A, you know, we're going to, maybe we think about it, maybe we even, um, maybe we even uh, write a draft and bring it to a stated council meeting, um, but we're not going to toss, be tossed to and fro by every political um, wind of doctrine that comes up. Uh, and this it could, it doesn't even have to be political winds of doctrines. It could just be doctrinal fads or different things that come up. We're, we're supposed to not be infants. Infants can be easily tossed to and fro. We're supposed to be founded in our in what we believe. So um, that's it. Any any thoughts? Any comments? Things to push back on or agree with on Memorial B. I really like the striving for like-mindedness mm. statement. I mean, I think that's a really, instead of striving to figure out how different we are, there is a striving yeah. to find, okay, let's see yeah. how closely we align on this issue and keep pushing until we get even yep. closer aligned, you know, and I mean, at some point that is possible, you'll say, well, we're not, we can't align, but but the, the, the focus is to strive for like-mindedness. Yeah. right, okay. absolutely. And I, I think it seemed like when we listened to Dave the one time he talked, that that seemed to come out really clearly in the way he talked about denominational oversight and what was going on in the CREC. You've got Baptists, you've got Presbyterians, they're worshiping together and, and because they're not choosing to divide on all of these things that maybe historically have divided Christians, but also they are, they're not just saying, hey, believe whatever you want. They're right. saying, hey, these are the things that are important to us. These are the things we need like-mindedness on. Otherwise, we can't, you just, they're, they're incompatible ideas. Less. You know, Joey, at the beginning of this evening, you, you made a reference to the Bible. And, I, you know, when, when the Bible is your foundational, I hate to say document, but when, when that, when you point to that and go, if it's in there, then that's what we support. 
subscribe to. We, that's what we're devoted to. It's inerrant. It's inspired. It's all of those things. Yeah. You know, we saw Israel try to legislate morality and try to do all this stuff when the law is broken down in the, you know, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, mm-hmm. and your neighbor as yourself. You know, everything's contained in that, and the Bible is our guide. So I've had people challenge me on my attitude, let's say, towards homosexuality or something, or, or what do you believe about it? I said, well, I've already made it very clear to you. I believe every period, cross T, everything in this mm-hmm. book right here. Do you know what it says about it? Well, yes, I do. Well, then you know what I think about it, and I'm not going to deviate. Yeah. So when we start from there, yeah. I think we're, we're collectively going in a really good direction. Amen. Yeah. Not not being afraid of anything the Bible talks about. I think that's that's like the need of the hour for a lot of Christians is to just embrace wholeheartedly everything that Scripture Scripture teaches. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I have a question about um, so the. Confessional revision, once the confessions have been kind of established for the church, um, it would be assumed that as a participating member that you would be in agreement with the confession that has been established by the by the local church. Um, to Andrew, what? Andrew, do you mean as a just an attendant or as an, as, yeah, as an attendant, as an attending, okay. as an attending member? Though, okay. Specifying member versus just okay. attending, right? Yep. So, attendees generally, as I've understood it, uh, free to believe what you want, but know that we have a set of beliefs here, and if you desire membership, that you mm. would, you know, that you would be undergoing some sort of. Um, uh, you would be un- you would be under now representing yourself as being under the authority of this church and being sure. held accountable sure. to some of the doctrinal statements. So I guess the question that I would have is: Is this more related to uh, what would be established as the institution, or is this something that, as a member, is coming up and requesting right. a revision because of a personal uh, yeah. a personal disagreement with the church's overall statement? Yeah, great. That's I, I see exactly where you're coming from on that, and uh, I'm glad that you've got the Memorial C written down. We're not going to get into it tonight because I, I don't want us to, to go too long, and I think that it's going to take probably a, probably a, an evening to talk about the Christian education, but I'm glad that you guys have it so you can read through it. And the reason why is because they do a really good job of making a very strong case for Christian education, but also understanding that people who don't share this conviction should be warmly received as what uh, should be warmly received. In fact, it says um, uh, should be warmly received into membership. So you know, if if we're not talking about Christian education right now, but let's just you guys read through that. Let's just say that you disagree with what it says. If you want to be a member of the church, you'll be warmly received. That's and that would that would I, I'm not sure that that would um, apply to all of these memorials, but it certainly is explicitly stated as being that way for. Christian education. So all that to say is that there's there is they do make a delineation between leadership and membership, and you can't probably be a leader and have big problems with these things. But membership, absolutely. So and to be and to be clear too, we we're talking about we're talking about doctrinal doctrinal statements, not statements uh, made in scripture that are clear indications of things like sin. Sure. Like sin problems, right? So. <laughs> Right, I think I think I, yeah, I think I agree exactly with that. Um, but but just to just to make sure we're abundantly clear, this 
Uh, from my understanding, and Dave, of course, is free to trump anything that I say uh, when he talks to us on the 17th, my understanding is that at least with Memorial C, I know we haven't talked about it yet, um, agreeing with the memorial is not um, requirement for membership. So. I, I would also add to that. I think, I don't know if this is what I thought you were saying, Andrew, that I think this revisional thing, I think, is pointed more at churches within the denomination coming together and saying, uh, our church is not so sure we agree with this anymore, or whatever, and we, want, we would like to revise, and then that's put before mm. all the churches. That's I think that's what the revisional... Yes, that, and, that's, and that's what I was, I guess I was clarifying. It's, this is on an institutional level, yeah. yes. not, on a, Thank not you. on a personal level. Yeah, that yeah. I think so. Yeah. And I would also say that Dave pointed out when he was talking to us that there are many of the churches, or some of the churches in the denomination right now, don't agree on everything. So there is some level of, I don't know if it's these or what, but there's right. some level of that, and he even said, if you don't agree with something, you need to explicitly state what it is you don't agree with and why, and then the, the, the denomination will talk, to, talk about it and say, well, that's okay, you can still, I mean, it's, it's a matter of, I think their thinking is more along the lines of, we have a certain belief system and theo theological constructs that you don't want to be a part of our denomination if you don't agree with it for the most part. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of right. like saying, this is where we're going. Do you want to go this way? And if, and, if a, and if a church is saying, well, we don't want to quite go that way, if it's not that different, they're going to say, okay, that's fine. We can live with that. Because mm -hmm. but, but, he talked about yeah. coming up with, well, I agree with this, 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 and this, but I'm having trouble with this little part here. Th th yeah. That's a discussion that comes up, and they right. might say, well, yeah, we can live with that. Yep. That's okay. Yep, so. yep, you're exactly right. Yeah. In the, in the essence of striving for like-mindedness, at some point they say, okay, we can't be like-minded anymore when we right. are questioning the authority of God's word. Yeah. Or the virgin birth, or the three members of the Trinity. We have to part ways, because there can't be like-mindedness with that. But, you know, one off, two office, three office, or four office, you know, they, they don't all agree on that, and they still get along. Any other, any other thoughts on either the ministerial training or the confessional revision? Got a couple, we've got a couple more songs to sing, and these kids, how about these kids, huh guys? Yeah. Uh, awesome. They're doing awesome. You guys are awesome. Cool. Yes, Charles. What, nice and loud, bud. At what point do they start disagreeing on, like, the, um, how you believe the memorials? Well, there's actually, they only got seven memorials, and then, and then there's the confessional statements. So the last two times that we've met, that's a, I'm glad you brought that up, Charles. The last two times we've met, we've looked at the, Reform, uh, the Reformed Evangelical Confession. I always get it backwards. I think that's what it is, the Reformed Evangelical Confession. It's very short. It's like three or four pages. And it, to be a, a part of a CREC church, you'd need to at least, um, uh, at the very least, agree with that confession or the Westminster Confession or the London Baptist Confession. They've got like seven different confessions that are biblical and you know doctrinally very faithful that you as a church can rally the troops around. Um, we chose the Reformed Evangelical Confession at least initially to discuss because it was the shortest and it allowed us to actually discuss it. Whereas it would be, we'd be here a while if we were talking about the Westminster. <laughs> <laughs> Several weeks. Good, excellent. Anybody else? Good question, Charles. Okay, we're gonna do another song. <clears throat> And um, I apologize for not uh, sending you guys a, a link with uh, the tune to this so you guys could 
could learn it. It's a fairly simple tune. You guys might even recognize it. It's actually an old Irish uh, tune. It's based on Psalm 23. And I would say it's probably a little bit less of a metrical um, tune, or I would say it's a little bit less of a metrical psalm and more of a, um, a sung paraphrase of a psalm. Um, so this is, this is all on Psalm 23. It's called The King of Love My Shepherd Is. And, but once again, you can see that there, um, if, you check the, uh, if you check the subscript of the numbers, you can see where we're at in the um, psalm uh, and what line corresponds to which verse. Um, so we'll do this one kind of, we'll do it kind of slow. It's a slower song anyways, but we'll, we'll sing through the first line. Uh, if you know it, sing along. Stout kids, you guys all know this one, so sing nice and loud. Uh, and then we'll start from the beginning again, and we'll sing through it. <clears throat> the King of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness Verse 1 again. The King of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. I'm nothing left if I am his, and he is mine forever. We're streams of
God's people said? Amen. 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 That was beautiful. Good. Picked up on that tune right away. Okay. I think the next song uh, is a hymn, and I think you guys will, uh, most people should know this one's a pretty popular one, then we'll, we'll end with the doxology, which I squeezed in there at the bottom. This is my Father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings, the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world, I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and and the wonders rock. This is my Father's world. The birds their carols raise. The morning light, the lily white, declare their Maker's praise. This is my Father's world. He shines in all that's fair. In the rustling I hear him pass, he speaks to me everywhere. This is my Father's world, oh let me ne'er forget, that though the wrong seems of so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world, the battle Amen. You guys sounded great on that one. I love this line here before we close up with the doxology. Uh, really, coming out of the year we just came from, it's important to remember that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. Amen. And the battle is not done, and that Jesus who died shall be satisfied in earth and heaven will one day be united, and the wickedness of man will, will cease forever. Amen. So with that, let's, uh, let's go ahead and sing the doxology. That will be our closing prayer. And uh, for those of so for the stout kids, they want their parts. So sopranos, altos, tenor, ten, tenors, bass, basses. Here we go. Praise God from...